Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about equine-assisted therapy, which to me is a really interesting and important topic because I just started my master's in clinical mental health counseling and my ultimate goal is to be able to practice equine-assisted therapy. So it's, yeah, it's a very important topic to me. And in general, it just has the ability to help a lot of people. And there's also a lot about it that is not often done very well. So it's kind of just an important topic to discuss. Yeah, I don't really know where to start with it, but I do feel like the majority of equine-assisted therapy is done with traditional training. And I feel like It might be partially because of a little bit of what we talked about last week with the punishment was that it gets results quickly, so it's reinforcing for the punisher. So I feel like maybe they're trying to use some of that like empowerment type feeling with that, but there are other ways to be more ethical with the training and still empower the person that's doing the training and working with the horses. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think a lot of it is like they're focusing on physical therapy. Not all of it, obviously. There is mental health counseling with horses. But when they're focusing on the physical therapy, I think that sort of opens it up for just more of a focus on like, oh, let's get the person on the horse and make sure that they can, you know, get the physical exercise that they need for what we're trying to do. And so that can kind of cause them, I think, to not focus as much on the mental part of it for the horse. Obviously, this still happens even in even in equine-assisted mental health counseling, so it's not entirely that, but um, I do think it's sort of more predominantly used for physical therapy. Yeah, that's true. I've seen it for both. It's kind of hard because I just don't have as much of a background in that. Like, I know a couple places in Wisconsin that do it, but I think the majority are physical. I'm not entirely sure. I just know a lot of them are just like leading horses around with physically disabled kids on them. And I think there are a couple that do more of the mental health stuff too, but there's just not a lot of options in Wisconsin. So I'm not super familiar with it. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I used to volunteer for a place and I still would volunteer there if not for the fact that I moved, but um, they did sort of physical therapy with people who had had traumatic brain injuries. So they would Um, have the people ride the horses and it would help with their sort of like balance and coordination motor skills those type of things and also it helped them with like following instructions and doing that sort of thing and probably kind of like you mentioned helping them feel physically empowered by having them be like oh you know you're on this horse you're controlling this big creature and so you can feel physically empowered by that I had a good experience there there were a few things that I was like oh yeah I wouldn't do this this way but the horses seemed pretty good they lived you know out full-time other than when they came in to do their lessons and they um, in general were treated pretty gently they did use negative reinforcement and sometimes when you know quote-unquote necessary like when the horse wasn't listening they would escalate but usually um, it was pretty gentle And yeah, overall, it was a good experience. And something that I kind of noticed there too, was even though it was physical therapy, it had a lot of impact on their mental state as well. And they felt really, what I kind of noticed was they felt 
really kind of close to the horse. I didn't necessarily like in talking to them get so much that they felt as empowered by being able to like control the horse, but they felt like they were building kind of a relationship with the horse and they would want to, you know, groom the horse, pet the horse, give the horse treats, those type of things. And so I think that is what just kind of from my anecdotal experience, I saw was such a positive thing mentally for them was just being able to feel like they were having that connection with the horse, especially people who seem to just kind of be like animal lovers in general. They especially were like really enjoying being around the horse. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like even those of us who just have horses and don't participate in equine assisted therapy of any sort, they do kind of have this like healing energy in quotations. It's, I mean, that's very woo woo, but (laughs) being around them feels like relieving, like it's enjoyable. It, It boosts your serotonin and just makes you feel better. So it would make sense that the people in that program would like just being with them and connecting with them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's so many ways that people do equine assisted therapy and they all seem to be showing these effective results, even when the way that they're doing it is not ideal. So I think that's really interesting. It really points to like the fact that equine assisted therapy as a whole is so effective. Being around horses in general can have such a positive impact on you. And one of my kind of I guess, favorite, I just find it the most interesting studies about equine assisted therapy, looked at using equine assisted therapy to treat people who were kind of like addicted to the internet and needed to get off of the internet to the point that it was like considered like, you know, a mental disorder that they like just were not able to get off the internet. And so I find that extremely interesting because that's like kind of an unusual sort of mental health type of situation there and it's even showing effective for that yeah that is really interesting I feel like that would apply to most animals like having dogs I have to get them out to walk them so I have to get off the internet to go hang out with them and give them enrichment and things like that so I think animals in general with mental and physical health can be really beneficial for us but also for them if we do it correctly Yeah, exactly. And I like that you pointed out again, like if we do it correctly, because there are so many ways that people do it that are not really providing that type of positive effects to the animal, especially, but also sometimes to the human too. Like, especially when you're working in mental health and you are, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me when people kind of put the horse's well-being at risk in whatever way that may be and a lot of the time that is through using like punishment or aversive based methods that harm the horse's mental health and they also force the horse to do something that harms their physical health and then they kind of expect this to be a treatment for humans mental health and a lot of the time these humans have also been through trauma or abuse or other things like that that may even mirror sort of what they're being asked to do to the horse And that does not seem healthy to me in terms of helping a client understand and establish like healthy boundaries and how to treat others with respect, things like that. It just doesn't seem like the type of skills that I personally would want to be teaching or emphasizing with clients just because that's just not really, it's not kind. It's not really like a productive way of treating people who may have been 
the sort of person who was not having their boundaries respected than asking them to not respect the horse's boundaries. So yeah, I think that's just a really important part of it. Yeah, for sure. The first thing I always think of is like, when they have the prison inmates work with Mustangs, and they are using a lot of really heavy traditional training. And like, that's not teaching them any good skills. If anything, it's promoting not accepting boundaries and being respectful and things like that, like you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And I did look at one study that was talking about stress in horses that were being used for equine-assisted therapy, and it found that they had really high levels of stress during mounting and dismounting. And I think that that is, it just makes sense because I think in normal kind of riding and training, we see a lot of stress around mounting and dismounting because of things like improper saddle fit or just general pain issues that they might be experiencing or not wanting to participate in training that's going to be aversive to them. Just all of those sort of types of things that might cause the horse to not, you know, be comfortable with being tacked or mounted or dismounted, all those types of things. And I also find too, that it can be a little bit of a challenge. This is what I sort of found working with people where I used to volunteer was that it can be tough to balance some of the physical sort of like elements of if they don't have good balance or if they, you know, can't use a certain leg very well, it can be tough to find ways to like maintain the comfortability of the horse in that situation and also make sure that the person is being able to, oh my God, he's barking. Um, (laughs) But also making sure that the person is able to, you know, effectively participate and still be able to ride. I do think that people that have a physical disability can ride and can do so in a way that is comfortable for the horse. But that's just kind of an extra element I think to be aware of is that for some people, if there is a physical disability, it can make it you know, more important to find ways to make sure that they can, you know, have as much balance as possible while getting on and make sure that that can be comfortable for the horse. So it's just kind of something to take into consideration. And even for people who aren't physically disabled, if they don't have kind of like the the balance or knowledge of riding and practice with that, it's just sort of the same thing of that's something to keep in mind and make sure that when we're mounting and everything, it's a safe experience for the person and the horse. Yeah, that's a really good point. And with both people with physical disabilities or people who just don't have the experience of riding, I think it's good to do a lot of training to prepare the horse for that. And it makes me think of like service dogs. They go through so much training, like from the second they're away from their breeder until they have their quote unquote job they're going through training and even after that they're still training with their person so I feel like with horses who are used in therapy programs we should kind of have that same protocol where they are prepared for the job and then when they're doing that they're still receiving training outside of the performance of the task. Yeah I agree completely and I think a lot of the time unfortunately therapy horses are sort of just kind of seen as like oh this horse can't compete anymore this horse can't be in regular work anymore so how about we make them a therapy horse and that's just not a good way of looking at therapy horses because therapy horses have a lot of kind of expectations and they do have a job that needs to be you know they need to be taught how to perform that job well and they need to be physically in shape to be able to handle what that's going to require of them. 
And so just, you know, I guess thinking like, oh, any old horse that's sort of old and lame can just be donated to a therapy program is just not accurate to the types of horses that should be in therapy programs. And I mean, I think that obviously horses that are, you know, older and lame still have value and still could be used in a therapy program in other ways, like through groundwork or some type of way of being around the horse that's not going to ask them to do things physically that they can't handle. But, you know, in these situations, a lot of the time the horse is being used for riding and probably shouldn't be. Yeah, that's so true. Two of the three programs that I'm aware of run sort of as a rescue. So they take horses in and then use them for the therapy program. And that's not necessarily bad, but if the horse is lame, like you said, or has some sort of physical issue that they shouldn't be ridden at the time, it can be really problematic if they are still using those horses for riding programs. Yeah, I agree completely. And I would like to see too some more, especially mental health counseling programs with horses that do more groundwork and more just sort of, I don't know, things that aren't riding, (laughs) because I think there is so much value to really taking things slow and doing things on the ground. And just basically in all areas where horses are used, that's just sort of overlooked. And I think that that, you know, equine assisted therapy could also really benefit from that and from kind of focusing on some of those things. And, you know, working on the ground can also give the horse more power to communicate their boundaries. And that can be really important in counseling to make sure that we are helping the person to understand the horse's boundaries. Yeah, definitely. And I agree that that working on the ground would be empowering for both the horse and the person that's receiving mental health help. And unfortunately, I think many programs like that do use traditional training. Uh, One of the ones I know of does use positive reinforcement, but another one uses natural horsemanship. And the other one I think is mostly for physical, like riding and things like that. So that one's a little different, but with natural horsemanship or traditional training for mental health counseling, that's just kind of confusing to me because again, it's just not teaching the skills that those people really need. Yeah, I agree. People who are sort of advocates for horse welfare have concern about whether working with people with, I guess, physical or mental disabilities could be like inherently difficult for the horses and therefore be bad for their welfare, which is sort of, I mean, it's sort of an ableist take because also plenty of people who don't have a physical or mental disability are very harmful for horse welfare by, you know, how they participate with horses. So kind of being like, oh yeah, let's ignore this entire problem with how able-bodied people are interacting with horses. And let's just focus on the fact that, you know, people who are physically or mentally disabled might harm horses. I think that's kind of not a good take, um, but there have been studies done on it. So I just wanted to highlight those because I think that, you know, it is, it is useful to kind of see the studies and see that there is nothing inherently I guess, harmful about having people with physical or mental disabilities be working with horses. So um, one example is from 2021, and it is by Laura Contalbrigo et al. And it's called Equine Assisted Interventions for Children with Autism Spectrum Disorders. It basically looked at children with autism and children without autism and basically just kind of saw how that would affect the horse's stress. It just showed that there was no effect from whether the child was autistic or 
not autistic on how the horses behaved and reacted and the, the sort of signs of stress that they showed. But it did show that the horses did just in general show signs of stress independent from the children. So definitely kind of an indicator that people in the profession need to increase their awareness of animal welfare and make sure they're paying attention to what horses are communicating. And then that's just one example, but there are also other studies that definitely look at also physical disabilities and things like that. And as long as, again, sort of like we talked about before, as long as you can do what you can to kind of um, limit any physical issues that could occur with the horse due to like lack of balance or anything like that, whether, you know, the person has a physical disability or not, then you're going to probably be pretty well off. And I think just paying attention to the stress of the horses and being aware of that is really just kind of the way to go. And if the horse is showing stress, take that seriously. And I mean, it just in general, in horse professions, it's tough to take the stress seriously because you're sort of relying on the horse to perform a certain function as a job. But I think that if we were to prioritize more groundwork too, that would help kind of mitigate that since if the horse is showing stress signs with being ridden, there can be other things that we can go to that can be a little bit less harmful for the horse and still have the benefits for the human as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, setting them up for success as best possible, probably the best way to go. I mean, like I said, with the service dogs, they're trained forever (laughs) to complete the tasks that they do. And while the horses may be donated or just taken from auction or rescued in some way, there's still things we can do to set them up for success in the program that they're in. And that may even just be a 24-7 turnout and providing enrichment. Like We just have to do the best we can with what we have. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's why it was really nice to me to see that the place where I used to volunteer was giving their horses 24-7 turnout in groups and kind of prioritizing their welfare that way, even though there might have been a couple of things that I would do differently with the training and the way the program was done. Obviously, they are professionals and I am just kind of getting started in this field. So I'm sure they know a lot and they were doing, you know, what was best for them. But yeah, I just think like we've talked about, there are a lot of other changes that could be made that could really benefit the horse and really also benefit the person. I mean, for me in sort of traditional just lessons, I did feel very uncomfortable being asked to ignore the horse's boundaries because for me, like consent is just a very important value. And I really want to make sure that the people and animals that I'm interacting with are consenting to what's going on and that I'm not forcing anyone to do anything. And so that's why I always felt a little bit uncomfortable with being told that I needed to be so, I guess, like harsh and become badass to be able to work with horses. Because really, I think that sensitivity is, it's a really good skill that is important to bring out in counseling. And it's also a really good skill just to have in life with horses and everything else. Yeah, that's so true. And another concern I have with using more traditional based methods in therapy programs is just general safety. Because if we're ignoring all those signs and not allowing the horse to consent, there's a higher risk of them just suddenly exploding, obviously in air quotes, but they would eventually get fed up or uncomfortable enough that they might do something that could be harmful to either the person that's receiving the therapy or someone who's handling the horse. 
Yeah, that's a really good point and so important to bring up. And I feel like that honestly could relate somewhat to the type of horses that are are like kind of stereotypically used in therapy too. Like thinking about, like we talked about before, those kind of older lame horses. Um, those ones are often ones that are shut down and have been through so much stuff in their lives that they just sort of let people do whatever. And I think that is just kind of, um, you know, another example of, of the safety concern because you know there's maybe maybe there's another reason why people aren't using like a five-year-old who is you know even a well-trained five-year-old um it's they're really often using these older horses that are in a state of learned helplessness and I think that that can be safe in a way but it can also be a lot more dangerous like you said because they may blow up at some point yeah for sure I mean I'm able-bodied and have a decent amount of knowledge on behavior and I definitely feel less comfortable with horses who are very clearly shut down because a lot of the time what happens is that they skip those really subtle signs so they might be even more subtle or not show them at all with like whale eye or tense mouth or nostril flaring and what they'll end up doing is just going straight to bolting or attacking more of those extreme representations of their emotions so that can be really problematic when you're working with people who are disabled or people who just don't know about horses and are trying to get mental health help. So it's just really complicated. Yeah, I agree. And then I guess like back related to the topic of like empowerment, I think for me, the most empowering thing has actually been learning how to read those signs and learning how to like communicate with the horse in a way that where I'm actually understanding their body language and being able to communicate with them. And I think, you know, for me, that's been extremely empowering. And I think that has the power to also help other people feel empowered. Um, I just think it's very, very cool to be able to have that communication with the horse where you're really understanding what they're pressing instead of just sort of ignoring it and having like a specific end goal like okay I just have to force the horse to do like whatever the goal is but instead focusing more on like the relationship there and everything I mean I think that that also mirrors a little bit kind of like a shift in counseling over time from sort of having like a pathological view of like okay let's find out what's wrong with this client and treat it basically now towards more of a view of like this this relationship between the counselor and client can actually be really beneficial in giving the client the skills and the knowledge to be able to succeed in life and be able to become like a well-rounded person and sort of letting the client have that sort of lead in the relationship instead of the counselor just being like yes I diagnose you with this obviously diagnoses can be important and um, there are certain treatments that are necessary for certain conditions, but in general, not necessarily seeing people as like, oh, you're this person who I'm going to diagnose with this and then use this exact set treatment from the textbook. Sometimes getting away from that can be really helpful. And, you know, like I said, I think that kind of mirrors the idea with horses of trying to get away from like, we have to do this exact thing with negative reinforcement instead focusing on, hey, like this relationship with the horse can actually be really empowering. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've definitely known people who have had therapists who kind of just treated it like a doctor would an illness, which to some degree you should, but they didn't have those personable traits and willingness to kind of build a connection with their clients. So, I mean, that can be good for some people, I guess. I'm sure it helps some people, but 
for me, I feel like that connection is more important. And the same is true for having horses help with physical or mental disabilities. Yeah, I agree completely. And I mean, like you said, there's still a place for diagnoses and for those type of treatments, especially for more serious type of, you know, things where you might need medication or you might need somebody who really can help you. Um, But for people who are just sort of looking for a little bit of help or improvement in their mental health, or even, you know, in addition to the more pathological treatments, it's just very helpful to have that relationship with the counselor and to be able to have the client sort of be able to express what they need and let them kind of tell you what's going to be most helpful for them. Obviously, the counselor has more knowledge and can can um, have more, I guess, like suggestions of how to actually improve things. But really, I mean, it's so important for the client to have those those skills and to be a part of their own process of improving their mental health and like moving towards wellness and things like that. So yeah, I agree. I just think that's really important. And um, I think horses can just be such a powerful tool in that. Also with horses can just be so helpful in helping people to build compassion in general. Like there was a study done specifically on kids with autism, but I feel like this could apply to anybody. I mean, I can't really make that generalization um, because it is not like accurately, scientifically accurate to make that generalization, but I just sort of feel like it could. But anyways, in the study, they basically found that when the kids went to equine assisted therapy, when they would then go home, they showed more compassion and more care for their family pets. And there's also research out there that shows that having compassion for pets leads to more compassion for humans. And, you know, on the flip side, there's also research out there that shows that being cruel to animals leads to being cruel to humans. And so I think being able to kind of foster, especially for kids, that idea of like caring for something and building compassion, that can be really helpful. I mean, I think too, for me, this is just my personal experience, but in building compassion for other animals and for other people, it's also helped me build compassion for myself. Like I've started to not I guess like beat up on myself as much and be like, oh, I'm not good enough. But I started to be like, oh, you know what? Horse did a really good job. I also did a really good job. And also with other people focusing on like, oh, this is a positive thing they did. And also I did a positive thing. So I think it can just be really, I don't know, empowering to build up that compassion too. Yeah, I've definitely had a really similar experience where with my work with horses and dogs has helped me become more compassionate for them but also for myself and other people. Like I'm working with people who are really doing the best they can for their animals, but sometimes they need more guidance. And I used to see it as like kind of projecting on my own issues of using punishment in the past where I would feel, I mean, I wouldn't shame them, but I would have thoughts like that. But now that I have kind of built more understanding with behavior and general work with animals and kind of how society views them and things like that. I'm able to understand that these people are really doing the best they can with what they have and they're seeking help. So I need to provide that instead of shaming them for doing things wrong in the past. And I think that that could apply so well to therapy with animals too, where someone has issues mentally or physically and they're building skills to better themselves through working with the animals. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think that also brings it up for me, like how often the, I guess, like lesson clients or like lesson students are treated in 
traditional horsemanship lessons. And obviously this is about lessons, not about therapy, but I think, you know, a lot of the time in lessons, the, the lesson students are just treated like they're constantly being criticized. They're constantly being told they're not doing things right. I mean, every trainer has a different style, but I do think it's very popular for lesson instructors to tell students like, oh, you're not doing this right. Do better, put your heels down, like kick harder, all those types of things. And there's a lot less of a focus on what the person's doing right. And I think that that also, you know, it comes a lot naturally with positive reinforcement to change that focus a little bit more toward rewarding the student as well. And I think that that can be important in therapy as well to have more of, I mean, I'm not saying we should like train the person, like rewarding them and whatnot, but I think like, you know, being able to focus on the positives with the person and have that sort of kinder, more I guess, just like optimistic approach of like, oh, you know, you did a really good job with this. I think that's really helpful. And you don't have to do positive reinforcement to do that. You can do that with negative reinforcement. But I just think that that kind of style of thinking comes very naturally to positive reinforcement. So that can be a benefit of positive reinforcement. Yeah, I agree with that completely. For me, working with positive reinforcement has helped me communicate better to not only the horses and dogs that I'm working with, but also their people. And even just in my personal life with friends and my husband and family members, I feel like I'm better able to communicate with them because of my work with positive reinforcement. And like you said, you don't have to do that. You can do traditional training and still build those same skills, but that sort of mindset comes a lot more naturally with positive reinforcement. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the traditional training is really just looking for what is the horse doing wrong. Um, and it kind of creates that relationship of like, oh, we're kind of like going against each other. We're at odds with each other. Like, I want this. The horse wants to misbehave and I have to do everything I can to not let the horse misbehave. So you're always looking for like, when's that horse going to step out of line? When are they going to do something that's not what you want? And then that's, I guess, when you correct, but with positive reinforcement looking for like, oh, this is a moment that they're doing something that is, you know, a step towards the goal. So that's really cool. And I'm going to reward that. I think that's just, to me, that's a just better mindset. And not everybody who does negative reinforcement has that view of being against the horse, but it's just so common in negative reinforcement. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training! <laughs>